0: Welcome to the HR Insider Podcast, where we interview some of today's top HR reps and human resource experts. It's time to elevate your human resource mindset. Well, welcome to another episode of the HR Insider Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Marissa Eckberg from Staff One HR. Marissa, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you very much.
0: Awesome. Great. Well, Marissa, I know that you've been in this industry for a long time, but why don't you give our listeners just an overview of your background, uh, kind of how you got to where you are, and then what you're up to right now in your current position at Staff One?
1: Uh, okay. Well,. Um, let's see, I started college as a music major, <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, that, that didn't quite work out for me, and my mom was an HR manager, and I had no idea what she did on a day-to-day basis, so I spent a summer with her, kind of learning what she do- did, and then I quickly changed my major, and I now I have my bachelor's degree. Um, I've been practicing HR for about 13 years now. Um, I've I've been with several, you know, kind of single employers, but now I'm with uh, Staff1HR, which is a professional professional employer organization, and um, I am an HR manager slash account manager for about 40 different clients and um, various industries, uh, various numbers of employees and um, employee makeup, um, but I will answer questions, um, help with onboarding, help with strategic things, help write handbooks. I've just kind of got my hands in everything, and I love what I do because everything is different. I get to try everything. I get to learn a lot of stuff, so I'm constantly learning, and um, I really love what I do.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I love that. So, uh, Marissa, you and I were talking prior to hit record on the uh, on the podcast here about some of your passions, and one of the passions that you brought up was, uh, you know, what to do if there's an active shooter in your location, and and there were a number of things that kind of stuck with me about the things that you brought up in that conversation, but mm-hmm. but just so our listeners can know, why do you have such a passion for this in the field that you're in? Um, in general, I mean, it's clear to me that you, you know, as we were talking, you really do have a desire to see this done well. So can you share with us kind of why that is?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, about a year ago, I actually received active shooter training. And, of course, I'm sitting in the training thinking of all the things that I, I could be doing, working on handbooks and various other things for clients, um, checking my email periodically. But I'm paying attention um, while that's happening. Um, And about six weeks later, I actually found myself in an active shooter situation at a client's office uh, on a Monday morning. So it um, it was very scary, and I would not have known what to do had I not been at least half paying attention to the active shooter training that I had attended six weeks prior. So um, I was able to get the group that was with me behind closed doors and was able to get them, you know, to calm down and to settle and and to to help us get through that event.
0: Wow. So literally six weeks after the training, you put it into practice. Kind of walk us through. What was that? okay what was that like did that give you a different sense of calmness during a clearly stressful situation what did that kind of do for your emotional mental uh, makeup in a time period where it was like oh my goodness my life could be on the line
1: um it was incredibly scary um i couldn't my hands were shaking so bad i couldn't text my mom or my husband to let them know, hey, <laughs> I'm in a building in downtown Dallas. Put on, you know, put on the news and tell me what's going on because I don't know. Um, no, I couldn't text. It was I was very very shaky, but this calmness kind of came over me as far as, you know, like what to do. I found myself in a very um, for lack of a better word, I was, I was pretty bossy with the people that were with me. I was like, we're going in here, uh, turn off the lights, move this file cabinet in front of the door. You know, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. It was almost like I was outside of myself a little bit. you know. Um, but it ended up to where the active shooter was actually three floors uh, below us, I believe, and it was a disgruntled employee and he was upset that he had been written up by a manager.
0: Wow. That's in- okay. So he'd been written up. He wasn't fired. He'd just been written uh-huh. up.
1: Yes, I I'm, I'm not 100% sure of everything because it was it's a different business, you know, this is one of these big office buildings in downtown Dallas, but from what I understand, yeah, the the shooter came in because he was upset with his manager over um over some performance issue. I do not think that he had been terminated. Um, but he, he got her into a conference room alone and unfortunately he pulled the trigger on her and then turned the gun around on himself.
0: Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, one of the things that, that you kind of told me when we were talking on the phone before this was, you know, it's not if it's gonna happen, it's when it's gonna happen. Absolutely. Which I think for most businesses, for most human resource departments, that's not necessarily a consideration unless you're in a major corporation. So my question, Marissa, is why should we all put that into practice and why do you say not if, but when?
1: Well, um, you know, why should we put it into practice? I mean, the, the general duty clause with OSHA is usually what I tell my clients. We have a responsibility to provide a safe working environment for our employees and yes, we don't want them hurting themselves while they're on the job, but we also um, you know, don't want them to put their lives in danger by coming to work because we haven't, I guess, trained them or giving them given them the tools in in order to, to figure out how to deal with a with a with an active shooter situation. The reason I say not if but when is because active shooter Incidents are on the rise. There was a study. Um, it was actually over the course of 13 years. It was conducted by the FBI. It was from 2000 to 2013. In the first half um, of the 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 study, I guess so to speak, you know, the average number of incidents was about 6.4 incidents um, per year, and that actually went up um, to about 16.4 incidents. Um, in, um, in the, the last half of the, 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 the number of years, and so that that translates to more than one incident per month and you know you can think what you want to about the administration right now and, and I know this is a very touchy topic because of what happened in Florida recently, but those study results actually indicated that forty five point six percent of the incidents occurred in an environment related to commerce. So that's companies and shopping centers. The second most com- common incident actually happened in educational environments. So companies are more likely to have an active shooter situation than schools. And schools are the ones wow. that we see, you know, on the news all the time. So I, just, I really feel like for my clients especially that this is, this is something that's really important.
0: Yeah, I think that that's that's surprising to me personally marissa I, you know i'm to your point we always hear about the schools and we're all still kind of facing the the uh pain and the anguish over what happened in florida uh you know just less than two weeks ago and it still seems fresh, and so that's why I think this this conversation is so uh, time appropriate. And for you to say it's actually much more likely for a shooting to happen in you know a place of commerce uh, is is kind of terrifying because again we don't we don't hear about those things very much. Um, so. Alright, so, Marissa, let's just say that uh, you're, you're working with a client or there's a, a business out there that maybe they have 100 staff members, maybe they have 25, maybe they have 500, and this is just not on their radar. What are, what are kind of the first steps that a company would take to implementing this kind of process? Alright, I'm going to stop the conversation right there to tell you about our sponsor for this podcast PC Housing. PC Housing is a temporary corporate and relocation housing company based out of San Diego, California. PC Housing works to provide their clients with the resources and expertise they need to make the smartest decision about their short term housing needs. Since its founding in 1998, they've forged relationships with employers and communities throughout the US and Canada, allowing them to provide a service beyond client expectations and reduce the amount of time spent on relocation searches. They've been recognized as one of the fastest growing 500 companies in America by Entrepreneur Magazine and they continue to invest in their employees and technology while introducing new levels of convenience such as anytime check-ins and personalized shopping as they are always looking to innovate to the next level. Not to mention, they offer a risk-free guarantee. Their goal is to create experiences that are so far beyond your expectations your employees will suggest a longer stay if your stay is unsatisfactory within the first 30 days due to the quality of your accommodations or their service they will resolve the issue within 48 hours or refund the cost to your company completely pc housing delivers fantastic service to fortune 500 and other growing companies around the globe if you want to learn more you can go to pchousing.com and search through some of their housing inventory. Now, let's get back to the conversation.
1: Um, The first steps to take, I think, would just really be a sit down with the employees, a training, um, and you can do if you have a company of over a hundred people, well then you'd take them in kind of smaller groups is what I would suggest instead of one big group and kind of kind of make it personal. Um, what I uh like to do is kind of get them into small groups, like I said, and then just kind of go over um, their options there's really three options in an active shooter situation um, you've got to decide whether you're going to run, whether you're going to hide, or whether you're going to fight and so um That really needs to be kind of, those are their options, you need to discuss those and then kind of go over how to evacuate. Um, Employees need to be aware of their surroundings at all times. Um, Know where the stairwells are, know where their exits are, um, know where there's no windows, know where there's somewhere where there's a door that locks, those kinds of things.
0: It sounds sounds like kind of the thing that the flight attendants do prior to takeoff of an aircraft. I mean, is that something? So do you do that one time, Marissa? Do you go over this every six months? Is this a yearly thing? What does this look like from that perspective of not just training the first time, but then retraining? Hey, here's where the exits are. Here's where their windows. Here's where the doors lock.
1: Yeah, I think it needs to be an annual training. I mean, because you've got to pick up those new hires that you've hired within the year, and make sure that they understand that this is important. I even have some clients who work with their local, um, their local police department, and run drills. Um, it, it, it doesn't have to be someone like me that comes in and does the training. You can have your local, um, your local police department or sheriff's department or something they might have a program that will help you out in in training your employees.
0: So when you do this do you do a live action sort of uh, going through the motions of it is it best to have a quote-unquote pretend um, you know active shooter Going through the process in your experience, Marissa, how do you train the best for this? I know you brought up kind of the the police departments being involved. Perhaps mm-hmm. is there some other way that you do this? Do you do you even do this? Uh, you know, I know that a lot of companies work in high rises like you were talking about, where there are multiple companies and multiple suites. Is this a whole building activity? How how do you work out some of these details?
1: I think that you probably would want to check with your you know, your building you know, management team and, and see if maybe they do something for the building, if maybe this is something that they want to start doing. I don't do any kind of live action training um, for my clients. Usually I'll just kind of show a couple of videos on YouTube. There's one or two that I really like to use um, that kind of shows it. Um, honestly, I talked to my son uh, a few weeks ago and asked, asked him, he's eight, I asked him if, what a lockdown drill is because he, you know, they do this at their school and he told me what they do. They all get in a corner, they make sure the room is dark, Mrs. Uh, his his teacher goes ahead and, and locks the door and then the principal goes down to each room and, and jiggles the handle um, for everybody. So they kind of get a little bit of a taste of what it's like, but honestly you're not going to know what you're going to do or how you're going to react until you're actually sitting in that situation is my opinion. But if you have had the training, then at least you can pull that from your memory and kind of remember some of the things that you can go to, uh, some of the things that you need to do in order to keep yourself safe.
0: So that that leads me to another question. So. I'm assuming that most companies, Marissa, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, don't do an active shooter training.
1: I, I believe so, yeah. Most of my clients, they kind of give me a glazed look when I suggest some active shooter training.
0: Okay, so let's just say that there is uh, an HR individual that's listening to this podcast or maybe it's a small business owner that's trying to get some HR skills from what we talk about here. Uh-huh. What are some basic... Information, some basic knowledge of what you should do since you've gone through this training that's just, hey, this is uh, Active Shooter 101. You're going to need to do these steps. Could you list some of those for us just to kind of give um, some of the people that are listening to us and may not ever go through a training formally what to do?
1: Sure, um, and again, there's there's a lot of materials out there that you guys can can go to and 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 pull from. Um, but really, it's really that decision first for that employee: Can I run? Can I get away? You know, do I need to hide? Am I in a place where I can hide, or is there a, is this something where I'm going to have to fight back? So if the choice is to run, obviously they're going to make their way as quickly as possible to the nearest exit, get outside, get away from the building, try to keep people who are going into the building from going into the building, and as soon as you feel like you're safe, calling that the, those first responders, calling the police at 911, um, making sure that nobody else goes in. If somebody doesn't want to come with you, do not be a hero. Do not... Stay and try to get that person to go fast, go quickly. Try to pull as many people with you as possible, but don't stop, okay? Um, hide. If you find yourself in a place where you do have to hide, keep, keep yourself behind something large um, that will hopefully deflect um, bullets or anything. Um, Make sure that you are in a room, um, a dark copy room works really well because you can turn off the light. If the light. If the door doesn't lock, put something really heavy in front of it. If you can pull that copier in front of it, go for it. Um, anything that helps and keep quiet. What really is important is turn off your phone, even on vibrate. If that building is pretty quiet because everybody is hiding and your phone goes off because you're texting your loved ones, telling them what you're, what's going on, um, that will give your, give your place away. Um, so keep those phones on silence. Um, if you have people with you, try to get them to calm down. If you have to talk, you need to whisper, um, and then fight. If the worst case scenario happens and... and You hear that person coming and you have to do something. Pick up anything that you can arm yourself with, a chair, um, I don't know, your computer, anything you can because if you can throw it at that person and try to get them distracted and get them out of your way so that you can run, that's what you need to do. Um, But, you know, if you're going to do that, you need to be prepared to use use what you have there in your office or, or there with you. Um, the things to remember if you are in hiding when those first responders come in when that SWAT team is clearing those floors they're not there to save you they are not there to to help you out of the building don't engage with them don't try to talk to them don't point don't do anything they're not there to engage with you they're trying to find the bad guy When they do find the bad guy, they will clear the building one floor at a time. I don't know if it's top to bottom or bottom to top. I'm not 100% sure on what they do. Um, But when they come to clear your floor, make sure that your phone is put away. Make sure that your hands are where they can see them, okay? Um, A phone in someone's hand is going to look, it might look like a gun or something. um, So just keep that in mind. Um, If you happen to see the shooter and um, you'll want to notice things about him. I mean obviously you don't want to stand there looking at him, but notice his shoes, okay? Um, This is something that I was taught by um, one of our safety guys, and, and he was telling me what they taught him in the military. He was in the seals, the Navy SEALs or something. But he said, you know, an active shooter, they could come in in a baseball hat and a jacket, and, um, you know, they can really change up their identity and just leave the, the building once the, once the police get there. So if you've paid attention to their shoes, you're probably not going to change their shoes. So that would be an identifier that you could provide to the police if, um, if something were to happen and that active shooter were to get away. Um, but those are just some, some tips that I try to, to give out during my training with clients.
0: Wow. Okay. Oh yeah. Marissa, I think that's wildly helpful and, um, really telling. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it seems like an odd transition to go from that to our normal rapid fire round of questions. Um, (laughs) because, but I, but I think that what you're talking about is so timely it's so necessary and you know we, we don't uh, you know much like being on an airplane uh, and they kind of go through all of the different elements of how to escape and we never think that that's going to happen to us that happens to other people uh, we need to think about these things so I really appreciate you sharing your personal experience and then also your expertise in this uh, really really scary and unfortunately common situation well with that being said i'm happy to yeah with that being said i do want to go to our rapid fire session just because i want to hear your answers so uh is that cool if we do that
1: uh sure
0: all right uh all right so what's the best business advice you've ever received
1: um my dad has always said, and I don't know if he came up with this on his own, but um, or if he found this somewhere, but he's always told me that a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from others' mistakes. Mm. So, I use that kind of often.
0: I love that. I love that. Uh, what is something that you're spending too much time on right now in your current position?
1: Oh, I spend too much time, probably on um, reactive kind of tasks, reactive state. Um, So something's happened with an employee and a manager has acted too quickly. And maybe there's some cleanup involved. So I feel like there's a lot more reactive things that I have to take care of.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, you know what? I think that's a really common one, Marissa. I feel like You know, in in my business and for a lot of people that are in their positions, too, it's so much easier to be reactive than to to, uh, be proactive or even uh, just to have your list of things. It's a a personality thing, and I think that it's also just uh, a way that our world works right now where the bing of uh, emails and text messages just uh, jack up our dopamine and we respond to it, so totally relate to that. What's the best book you've read that's helped you in your career?
1: Oh, um, let's see. I've read Fish, which is kind of a little skinny man- man- management uh, book. It has to do with em- employee engagement and, and some, some ideas for that. I've, I've, I have read that a long time ago, and, and sometimes I do refer back to that. Um, and then there was another book that I've read before, and it's called Getting Things Done. That's the art of stress-free productivity. Um, I feel like in this job, I'm I'm drawn in lots of different directions, and sometimes it's hard to be productive. It feels like you've been putting out fires all day long, and and you you don't feel like you've done anything really. So um, that helps a lot. Some of those some of those tips and tricks that I've learned uh, from that book.
0: Awesome, awesome. Uh, I don't think that's one we've had before, so I have to put that down on my list of books to read. All right, uh, oh, yeah. on. last one. What are you most looking forward to accomplishing in the next six months?
1: Ah, uh, accomplishing in the next six months. Well... Um we uh, here at Staff One, we have some really exciting updates to our technology coming down um, that our IT team is working on, and so I'm really looking forward to working with our clients and showing them some of the new capabilities of our system and how it can help them and how it can help them um, with their business and engaging with their employees.
0: That's awesome. that's awesome. Well. Listen, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, sharing your expertise and your experiences. Uh, Marissa, if someone wants to get in contact with you or they want to learn more about what you're doing at Staff One, how would they do that?
1: Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just my name, Marissa Eckberg. and um, I don't think there's anything really special um, about my i think you just search my name on linkedin and you'll be able to find me um and then if you go to staff one.com um we have i have several blog posts there um and one of them actually has to do with the day i had to use my active shooter shooter training so you can read about that there um and my email address is available out on staff one.com as well so you can email me with any questions if you have any
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Marissa, and uh, really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you for the opportunity.